we need to avoid the socialism trap. Find out what I mean on this episode of Pushback. Concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello again, and welcome to Pushback. Dr. Johnny here, and we are about, I think, 20, 21 days from the election. And I have been uh, doing my best to not become too political with my podcast uh, unless it pertains to culture. And because that's, as you know, my heartbeat for this podcast is to uh, understand that we as families, we as Christian families, we set the culture. And it's really impossible to separate culture from politics and certainly what has been happening in our nation uh, over these past several months during campaigning and leading up to the election. And so I don't want to uh, shy away from a political discussion. Uh, And I I think it's really important uh, that we bring some education and some light to some of the things that are being discussed even politically. So I want to offer you my insight on this podcast. Uh, This is entitled The Socialism Trap. And so I want to talk about socialism versus capitalism. And and I think it's important that we lean into it, that we understand it. In fact, when they uh, polled millennials about socialism, only 16% of millennials could actually adequately define the term. And a lot of times what, we're been, what we've been seeing in the rhetoric and the, dis, the political discussion about capitalism versus socialism uh, is the word free stuff. <laughs> free stuff. You know, they actually did a, a study uh, from a marketing advertising standpoint of what is the, the, the most alluring word that any advertiser could use on a poster, sign, billboard, etc. And the word was free. That's the word. The word is free. And so when a politician comes out and starts talking about free stuff, uh, guess what? It gets our attention. Uh, We are allured to it. We are interested. We are wanting to know more. So let's talk about socialism, uh, even in respect to free stuff. Well, socialism, by definition, is a political and economic theory of social organization which advocates that the means of production, distribution, and exchange should be owned or regulated by the community as a whole. So that's the definition of socialism. Now, in the Marxist theory, they considered, or or Marx considered, uh, it is actually a transitional social state between the overthrow of capitalism and the realization of communism. Now, Our politics and our politicians are not talking about communism, and I do want to make that distinction. Now, both socialism and communism place great value on creating a more equal society and removal of class privilege. The main difference is that socialism is compatible with democracy and liberty, whereas communism involves creating an equal society through an authoritarian state, which actually denies basic liberties. 
And I think this is an important difference, and I want to make this clarification, because we have a choice. And I just said about five minutes ago that we set the culture. And that's why I think it's important to have this discussion regarding socialism, what it is, and why I consider it to be a trap. Now, we, and I'm calling for us to actually resist this trap. So let's talk first about free stuff. Now, we know, and I think most educated people will understand, even from an economic standpoint, that there is no such thing as free stuff. <laughs> there is not free stuff. Now, so when we're talking politically about what's being proposed, uh, let's just take free college, for example, or paid family leave, student debt forgiveness, uh, Medicare for all, even expansion of Social Security. Uh, this would add 35 trillion, that's trillion with a T, to the debt over one decade. Now, that's debt. That's not what the politicians are proposing that the rich people pay. See, there is nothing free. And so there will be a huge cost expenditure, not only to the American people, but beyond even what the American people can provide so that we actually have to borrow the money to make any and or all of these programs actually work. So right now, we as Americans, we work about three months of our year uh, to pay Uncle Sam, to pay our taxes. If you look at the European models and the European models of socialism, they actually work five to six months of the year. That's twice as much as we do just for tax, just for the tax for their programs that the government is actually sponsoring. Now, this is money going to the government to spend as they see fit. And the biggest question is, and the question I want to propose to you in this podcast, is do we really think that the government can spend the money better than we can? It's a fair question. Some people may say yes, but I would argue that not once in history, and certainly not in the history of our government, has any government program been run well and efficient? It's just not the way it's set up. Bureaucracy is not set up like a business. Let me just give you an example. Uh, government bureaucracy is actually set up on a budgetary type system. So for instance, if you are running a program within the government, you will send to the government your need or your budget, and they will send the money over uh, for that uh, need. So what happens in a government-run program is that all of the entities in the program are trying to, quote-unquote, create need so as to get more budgetary money. And it's important that they spend it down so that they can prove each year that they need it. <laughs> so they are actually incentivizing uh, sometimes even false or fabricated need so that more money comes in their direction. Whereas businesses actually send money to what is profitable, to what is run efficiently, to, to programs and, and divisions within their company that are actually creating profit. And sometimes that means actually cutting back on expenses, not justifying expenses. Government is not a well-run program. 
It was created for very few specific entities and running huge, large programs they have shown over and over again has been quite disastrous. I wish I had time to even go into the whole social security fiasco, but we gave our money to our government to hold and to run a social security fund. And they've tapped into it and removed it and even fraudulently spent it. And, and it, over and over in t- time, this has become um, a, a repeated, repeated narrative. So socialism isn't free. And when we put our money into the hands of the government, it's usually run quite poorly. In fact, I will say boldly, always run poorly. Socialism has been a failed experiment over and over again. This isn't a fresh new idea when you hear politicians in America talking about socialistic type programs like Medicare for All or, or programs on the like. It, it, it has been done and tried many different other places. Venezuela was an abject failure and yet politicians today in America are proposing the exact same things that they have tried in Venezuela, Russia, even Canada, even Canada. When you look at what they have done, it hasn't been prosperous. It has been, it has been failing. Winston Churchill, man, I quote him so often. This guy, I don't know in the shower um, if he just came up with all these things, but he is, he is a quote machine. Winston Churchill says, the inherent vice of capitalism is the unequal sharing of blessings. The inherent virtue of socialism is the equal sharing of miseries. The inherent vice of capitalism is the unequal sharing of blessings. The inherent virtue of socialism is the equal sharing of miseries. And this is what we have seen time and time again Amy and I have had the privilege of traveling and speaking over in Europe, and it's a different mindset. It's a different philosophy. It's a governmental philosophy. I had a young man who was there, and he was saying, you know, with this whole Donald Trump issue and 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 uh, Obamacare, what what is your objection to it? And I told him quite simply, I said, well, I'm not I'm not objecting to people being covered by insurance. I just don't feel like the government can do it very well, and they should keep their hands off of it. A capitalistic capitalistic society always works better. Socialism is a plan of morally sanctioned theft. (laughs) Taking what is earned by one and giving it to another. Now, I believe that socialism as an experiment removes exceptionalism, and I feel super strongly about this, removes exceptionalism and promotes a word that you know I really, 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 really don't like. And that's the word complacency. If you haven't listened to my podcast entitled Do Not Snuggle In, I invite you to go back and listen to that podcast again, and you'll hear my take on the word complacency. It removes exceptionalism and promotes complacency. I read, and maybe if you've been on Facebook or some of the media outlets, uh, you may have heard this story before, but I want to read it to you. It's entitled, Teacher Fails Entire Class Over Socialism. Let me just read this to you. Her class had insisted that socialism worked and that no one would be poor and no one would be rich, a great equalizer. The professor then said, okay, we will have an experiment in this class on this plan. 
All grades will be averaged and everyone will receive the same grade. So no one will fail and no one will receive an A. After the first test, the grades were averaged and everyone got a B. The students who studied hard were upset and the students who studied little were happy. As the second test rolled around, the students who studied little had studied even less. <laughs> and the ones who studied hard decided they wanted a free ride too, so they studied little. The second test average was a D. No one was happy. When the third test rolled around, the average was an F. As the test proceeded, the scores never increased, as bickering, blame, and name-calling all resulted in hard feelings and no one would study for the benefit of anyone else. To their great surprise, all failed, and the professor told them that socialism would also ultimately fail because when the reward is great, the effort to succeed is great. But when government takes all the reward away, no one will try or want to succeed. These are possibly five, the five best sentences you'll ever read and all applicable to this experiment. Not just an experiment in this classroom, my friends, but an experiment around the world when this has been tried before. Number one, you cannot legislate the poor into prosperity by legislating the wealthy out of prosperity. Number two, what one person receives without working for, another person must work for without receiving. The government cannot give to anybody anything that the government does not first take from somebody else. You cannot multiply wealth by dividing it. And number five, when half of the people get the idea that they do not have to work because the other half is going to take care of them, and when the other half gets the idea that it does no good to work because somebody else is going to get what they worked for, that is the beginning of the end of any nation. I just feel like this sums it up so well. We need, we need the drive to be exceptional. And free market capitalism actually provides that drive. Now, often what happens, and you hopefully have seen this in our society over the past several months and certainly during this political environment, that there is class rhetoric. See, to promote a socialistic agenda requires you to demonize the wealthy. And it promotes class rhetoric and actually pits us against each other. So pay very close attention to candidates who consistently talk about classes who consistently talk about the wealthy, who consistently talk about fairness. See, they will argue that capitalism is about greed, where socialism is about charity. But again, we have had the opportunity to watch other countries in a test tube and see actually what happens with socialism. And the absolute opposite is true. See, socialism forces individuals to actually compete for the limited supply offered by the government. And it actually promotes a scarcity mentality. Let me say that again. It promotes a scarcity mentality, which actually fosters greed. Free market capitalism is actually focused on the needs and wants of society. It creates a symbolic relationship between businesses and customers. 
So let me give you my experience as a healthcare provider working in a healthcare system in central Minnesota. I believe that we are exceptional. I really do. I really believe our, our, our system is exceptional and we, and we employ and have a culture of exceptionalism in our building. But the reason that we are exceptional, to be honest, is that we want to be better than the healthcare system down the street. It's called free market capitalism. And, and, a, and a shrewd consumer will actually cost compare what it takes to have their gallbladder out at our facility versus their gallbladder out at the neighboring facility. They should look at the facility itself. They should look at the, at the health care providers and the staff and the way that we treat people. And, and the, way that we, the way that we treat and, and, and steward exceptionalism, it's so important. Now, healthcare costs are high and it's not perfect. And I'm not going to sit here and say that our system is perfect. But I do know that the answer is free capital, um, free market capitalism. It's true for insurance as well. When, when insurance falls from the sky and is considered free stuff, it tends to be mismanaged by government. When we can have insurance programs that compete against each other, guess who wins? The consumer. Because the insurance companies are trying to focus on your needs and wants as a consumer of their product. That's how it works. That's how it's supposed to work. See, if we demonize society and we put us ourselves in categories of the haves and the have-nots and we demonize wealth, it actually pits us against each other and actually limits the ability of capitalism to provide for our citizenry. That's what we've been seeing for hundreds of years in America. And, and it blows my mind that we would want to become more like Venezuela. It's because of rhetoric. It's because of rhetoric of fairness and rhetoric of demonizing the wealthy. It's interesting and it's kind of ironic because... Those who would consider themselves unwealthy in our society are trying to become wealthy. You can demonize the rich and the wealthy in our country, but all of us are trying to become those people. I think it's interesting that a survey by Bankrate found that 28% of Americans who earn less than $30,000 a year play the lottery at least once a week. That's one in three Americans uh, living a very low income are buy buying a lottery ticket once a week. Why is that? Because they're trying to become rich. They're trying to look for a fast way to become rich. And they're not looking to become rich so that they can donate six months of it to the government to spend as they see fit. No, they're wanting it for themselves because they want to be wealthy. They want to be free from some of their uh, financial burden. It speaks volumes. The wealthy are actually the ones buying lottery tickets. They're the ones who have worked and earned it. Now, I'm not saying that those who have a lower income are earning it, but I'm saying that offering free stuff, trying to income redistribute, actually kills the very market that actually brings health to a society. So please hear me in that. See, I called it a socialism trap. Why? Because, my friends, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Once, once we even give a little bit of an inch and we, and we choose, because we can choose. Remember, we set the culture. 
if we choose to allow even a little bit of socialism, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Somebody, the perfect example, and we've been seeing this even in the debates and, and talking about Obamacare. Obamacare was pushed through at midnight uh, as, a, as a super destructive, poorly designed insurance, compulsory insurance program. And now what's happening is it's hard to put the toothpaste back in the tube. It was horrible. And so what happens is you give crappy compulsory insurance to the citizenry and then somebody proposes actually taking it away and they get criticized because millions are losing their health insurance. Do you see what happens? Do you see the slope? Once you give somebody a benefit, it's very hard to take it away. If we all of a sudden endorse free college for everyone and then we realize it's bankrupting right, bankrupting our system, guess what? It's going to be really hard all of a sudden to tell the college students, um, on second thought, you get to pay for it yourself. It isn't free anymore. Do you see what I mean? Once you give it, it's hard to take it away. And that happened in Obamacare in the middle of the night. See, we cannot budge an inch on this because every inch is closer to socialism control. And we need to always err on the side of free markets. We need to be careful to not spring the trap. I speak to you young people listening to my podcast because it's tempting as you're facing the surmounting bills of, of college and, and some of these uh, medical issues. And, and, and I understand it and I'm sensitive to it. But the answer is not money from the sky because it's going to come back to get you. Now, let's just the little bit of time I have left, I do want to talk about culture in the church because if it's true that people see capitalism as about greed, socialism is about charity, but the actuality of it is, is the opposite, then we need to understand that the, in the Christian walk, generosity is implied. And so if we are going to be a free market capitalistic society, then we need to, at the very heartbeat of who we are, be generous. And I believe that the American people have been that. Now, could we always be better? Of course. See, I believe God loves invention and he loves free enterprise. And you may even say, now, wait a minute. What about in the book of Acts where they all gave and gave all, everything that they had and they distributed according to need? Is that not a socialistic society? And I would say no, because they chose to give it charitably. It wasn't imposed. They didn't t were told by the government that they had to. They chose to be charitable where they saw fit. And, and they were listening to the Spirit, and the Spirit told them that it was a time that called for extreme giving to accelerate the, accelerate the gospel. I believe that it's actually the opposite of an imposed socialistic society. I believe that it was a, a, a mindset of people who had and were able to give out of their abundance, and they gave generously. I could go on for another hour about all the, what the Bible says about being generous. It says, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Now, implied in that, of course, is that you don't want to make an open show and make it all about you. But I believe it's also about just giving and forgetting about it. <laughs> like giving without contemplation, giving extravagantly. It's the culture of the kingdom. 
2 Corinthians 9, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give with what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, but God loves a cheerful giver. See, I believe that given the wealth of the kingdom, that we would give generously, even more generously than we would ever give through a governmental program. Too much has been given, much is required. And the Bible goes on and on and on. Let me just give you a quick story that just wrecks me every time I tell this story. There's a man named Nelson Cruz. Those around Minnesota know who Nelson Cruz is. He's our designated hitter for the Minnesota Twins. He's a future Hall of Famer. He's an incredibly gifted athlete. Um, And he's 40 years old and still playing at extremely high level. And he is from the Dominican Republic. And my family and I were watching a documentary on him and his life. And he goes back to the Dominican regularly, has a home there, and he sews extravagantly into the culture. He has bought fire trucks and ambulances and runs clinics. And and there was a scene, I'm going to start crying even thinking about it, because there was a scene where uh, he provided dental care to the poor population in the Dominican Republic. And here's, here's Nelson Cruz, who makes tens of millions of dollars a year, sitting on a chair, cleaning a young man's teeth. It wrecked me. Our whole family was weeping when we were watching this because it's Jesus. It's what Jesus would do. And they quoted Nelson Cruz, and he said, I pray that I can keep playing so that I can continue to give. And that's it. That's it in a nutshell. That's living in a free market society where somebody like Nelson Cruz can be can make millions of dollars at his craft and at the same token have a heart of generosity that sows into his culture. That's how the kingdom is supposed to work and it's a beautiful system. So let's be vigilant. Let's keep our eyes open. Let's pay attention to the rhetoric and let's not budge an inch on this. That's my opinion, and I would like to hear your opinion. I would like to hear your experiences. So please go to gofam.org, leave a comment or question about this podcast or any previous podcast, and it would give me great pleasure to respond to you or even uh, read your question on my podcast in the future. So now let's go together to set and shape the culture. Mm-hmm.